Well, we have been uh, going through this series of messages related to men and women in Christ, and uh, we were going to look at that sheet that uh, I handed out a number of weeks ago, and we've kind of put off looking at it, which we're going to do again this evening. Uh, I don't think we'll get to it unless things go a lot quicker than what I think here. <clears throat> but uh, I thought that I would spend uh, a little time this evening along the lines, sharing some thoughts along the lines of sin in the home. Sin in the home and especially between husbands and wives. And, and really, this is going to kind of focus off into one area. And I'll just say, to begin with, I'm not speaking here of this particular situation that we just heard about. But I did think that it might be an appropriate time to present some general guidelines that I believe are scriptural along the lines of sin in the home. And let me say to begin with that all homes experience some sinful behavior. It's just part of being in this world, a fallen world, even as Christians in a Christian home there will be some sinful behavior. But there are different degrees of sin and abuse that take place in a home. Some sins that take place, we should take the position as husband and wife that love covers a multitude of sins, and they don't even need to be mentioned. It just gets covered doesn't need to be brought up even between the husband and wife. <clears throat> Other sins do need to be talked through, talked about, and worked through. Some sins need some limited outside help. Maybe a, a family member, an older, maybe a, a father or mother or a friend. could be helpful, but some sins do need to be dealt with in a more radical way, and some sins need to be dealt with along the lines of Matthew 18. For example, I believe there is a place for a woman to follow the outline of Matthew 18 in regard to abusive situations in the home. It's not wrong for a woman to do that. And there is even a place to bring extreme situations to the attention of civil authorities, especially if laws have been broken. For instance, if there's violent <coughs> behavior, physical abuse, child abuse, sexual abuse of children, that type of thing, 
So there's this continuum in relationship to sins in the home. One thing that hopefully will be the case in our church here is that I think that we need to clearly hold and realize that the Christian community, that is the church, is to be a place of safety and deliverance and reconciliation. As Charles mentioned, we are to bear one another's burdens. The church should not be a place where we ignore or cover up problems or pretend that all is well. The fact is that we all continually need God's grace and power in our lives, and we could all fall into all manner of sin. Each one of us could. So we need to realize that, but coupled with that realization, we also are called as God's people to stand against injustice and abuse and to protect the vulnerable. I thought it might be good just to read a few verses along those lines, just as a reminder, you know these verses, but uh, I think it's good to hear them every once in a while. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from, from my sight, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And also in Isaiah 58, Verse 6, is, not, is this not the fast which I choose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery Recovery will be speedy, it will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will call, and He will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, of the afflicted then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. So caring for the afflicted, the oppressed, and dealing with injustice. Uh, Jeremiah 22, 3. Thus says the Lord, Do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of the oppressor. Also, do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. So God is concerned about 
the weak and the vulnerable. He's concerned about injustice. And we as God's people are to speak out and stand against such things. In uh, thinking about this area of injustice and abusive situations, it is true that there are times when we as individuals are called to submit to unjust authority. We will have situations like that. But that call is not a... It's not an unqualified teaching of the Bible that a persecuted, abused person must always submit. That's, that's not biblical. It's actually a distortion of the biblical teaching of submission. Now, unfortunately, submission is sometimes taught that way by well-meaning and, I think, misguided Christians. I uh, typed in submission to unjust authority uh, on Google, and the first site that came up was a Christian site teaching that it is scriptural for a woman to stay in the situation of physical abuse, and they were talking about beatings. I couldn't believe it. That was the first thing that came up. Let me just read what was on just... It was a long site going through a lot of scriptures, but let me, I just want to read you one paragraph. In the same way that Peter encouraged slaves to serve unjust masters and to hold up under unjust suffering... <clears throat> We can encourage wives who are called to the difficult role of submitting to an unjust and abusive husband. Their submission, even in the midst of physical abuse, is something that is pleasing to God, that they are following Christ. This is beautiful to the Lord and a sign of true conversion. So submitting to beatings in the home is something he says is beautiful to the Lord and a sign of true conversion. Of course, if the husband wishes to leave, she should let him. Going by Paul's command there in 1 Corinthians 7.15, but if he is willing to stay, the wife should continue to submit, clothing herself in good works by the grace of God. I'm not saying this is easy, but sometimes glorifying God is hard. Well, I believe to present this as a universal, unqualified teaching of the Bible is both unbiblical and could be very, very harmful. We know from the Bible that Paul sometimes fled from avoidable assaults. You can look through the book of Acts and find a number of cases where he just got out of there instead of being beaten up. Uh, When he was going to be unjustly beaten, he appealed to a higher authority. That's in Acts 22, 25. 
and even Jesus on occasion hid from those who are trying to harm him. Um, I'll just read that one to you, but you probably are aware. One, one situation it says, Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So I'm just saying that this idea of unqualified submission in situations of extreme abuse is not a biblical position. Maybe one of the best examples of what we're dealing with here would be David. He recognized and respected Saul's position of authority. Nevertheless, he fled from him for several years in order to avoid being harmed or killed by him. So we are not always called to endure avoidable physical persecution. In fact, I, I would say that that's probably the exception. Now, God might call you to that in certain situations, but I think it's the exception. I wanted to read a, a few statements here. You know, a lot of what I've been sharing through the past few weeks is from this Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And they have a statement on abuse that uh, I thought was, was worth reading to you. And uh, so I'm just going to take a few moments to read this. We understand abuse to mean the cruel use of power or authority to harm another person emotionally, physically, or sexually. We are against all forms of physical, sexual, and or verbal abuse. We believe that the biblical teaching on relationships between men and, between men and women does not support but condemns abuse. We believe that abuse is sin. It is destructive and evil. Abuse is the hallmark of the devil and in direct opposition to the purpose of God. Abuse ought not to be tolerated in the Christian community. There is no excuse for abuse. We believe that the Christian community is responsible for the well-being of its members. It has a responsibility to lovingly confront abusers and to protect the abused. We believe that both abusers and the abused are in need of emotional and, and spiritual healing. We believe that God extends healing to those who earnestly seek him. We are confident in the power of God's healing love to restore relationships fractured by abuse, but we realize that repentance, forgiveness, wholeness, and reconciliation is a process. Both abusers and the abused are in need of ongoing counseling, support, and accountability. In instances where abusers are unrepentant and or unwilling to make significant steps towards change, we believe that the Christian community must respond with firm discipline of the abuser and support and protection of the abused. We believe that by the power of God's Spirit, the Christian community can be an instrument of God's love and healing for those involved in abusive relationships and an example of wholeness in a fractured and broken world. So 
I would just say again that our desire should be that the church is a place of safety and deliverance and reconciliation. Not a place where we pretend or avoid the hard issues. Well, um, I just I shared those things mainly because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding in the Christian community in this area of what what submission involves and uh, so I thought it was worth at least opening up that area of thought are there any questions or comments on what I just shared Yeah, well, that's why I shared it, because it is a position uh, where authority was recognized. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing when I read through that there in First Samuel. It's, uh, it's amazing how much respect uh, that David still retained for Saul and his position that God had put him in. Uh, sometimes you, you, just, you just marvel at it. But I think that there's possible to maintain that there's a there's an attitude of respect and submission that can be retained even when a person removes themselves from a uh, abusive situation and that's why I thought that was a good example of what we're talking about anyone else Well, uh, that's quicker than I thought. Um, do you have the sheets with you that we? I said we wouldn't look at tonight? I really don't anticipate a whole lot of questioning from this sheet because... Um, it's not like I'm saying everything on here is uh, something that we need to hold in terms of this is biblical truth but I thought it was worth considering we need some uh, we need some sheets out there huh? alright here's some <clears throat> 